Welcome to the Designated Drinker Show, the podcast that's raising the bar on craft cocktails. I am your host, Louise Salas, and with me is a very talented friend of mine, our guest barkeep, a true artist, if you will, Dwayne Sylvester. I think you need to build more into my intro. <laughs> um, you can put that in your writer. Yeah. <laughs> so speaking of artists, Van Gogh. You, would you, without a doubt, one of world famous artists, correct? He was all right. He's all right. But you know, he took an awful lot of risks. You know, he's one of those risky artists. He really stepped outside, <laughs> colored outside the lines, ha ha ha. But back to, <laughs> he took a lot of risks and maybe a little too many with the absence, but nonetheless, he was a better artist for it maybe. Um, and he took those risks on that canvas, which changed the art world. But he also was a notorious letter writer. And a lot of those letters um, were written like to his... Like ABC letters? Yeah, he wrote letters to his brother. He, there is a collection... Well, hold on. So he wrote a lot of letters to his brother. And fortunately, Theo, his brother, his, um, his wife, Johanna, collected all those letters. And there was um, in this... It's called his original name, Letters. Uh, it's the Letters of Vincent Van Gogh. There are over 908 letters in this, in this compilation. And... I believe over 850 of them or so were written by Van Gogh, and most of them are written again to Theo. So the cool thing is that she collected all these letters, and it gives us a great insight to actually to his thinking. And apparently, it was clear when he wasn't on absinthe. But you know, hey, <laughs> who's gonna judge? On the absinthe. <laughs> on the absinthe. How do we demonize such a wonderful oh, liquid? But I'm just kidding. But I want to share with you just a little snippet out of one of the letters that he wrote to Theo. And again, it gives, him, gives us a little outlook on our, our insight to his outlook on risk. And oh, I think Theo. it's pretty inspiring. Here oh, we go. Theo. You ready? Wherefore art thou, oh Theo? I don't think that was a band go. Oh, I, 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 what do I know? <laughs> so he wrote, many painters are afraid of the blank canvas, but the canvas is afraid of a true passionate painter who dares and who has once broken the spell of you can't wow i'm van gogh <laughs> you just didn't know i ain't scared of no canvas there you go you just paint your own that's right there you go i am outside the lines you are definitely outside the lines. <laughs> that, that is definitely a truth. Um, so all this talk about risk and daring fate and coloring outside the lines, according to you, um, and not believing in the I can'ts brings us to today's designated drinker. See how I tied that all together? Wait till you see. It works, I promise. Um, so please welcome Shira Kurtz to the show. She is the AGM of one of our nation's best bars. The Columbia Room. She can't be the AGM of the best bars, Columbia Room. <laughs> Today. <laughs> As of right now. <laughs> um, I want to get to that in a minute about the bar, of course, but really, you have got this really great story um, that's kind of filled with moments of just taking great leaps, following your gut, and maybe doing some things that somebody on the outside is like that just they might just deem it foolish um i'm sure many did <laughs> <laughs> but what did they know because you proved them all wrong you have this very successful and what seems to be a very fulfilling life that you didn't follow the rules absolutely yeah um i 
got into hospitality in a very non-linear way, I think is the best way to describe it. <laughs> uh, I moved to Chicago uh, after college and took a job in advertising, worked at a really small firm, and then got what I thought was going to be my dream job at a large advertising firm. Yes. Uh, working in account management, and uh, it did not work out to be my dream job <laughs> in a number of different ways. But account management uh, is working with people. It's just, you know, sort of trying to get both sides to work together, the creative and the account. Uh, and so I learned a lot there. But after that, I moved on to working for the food and beverage company at the United Center, which is where the Bulls and the Blackhawks play. You cannot go from advertising into hospitality. Can't do it. Well, I was working That is not true. Can't so, do it. Well, um, well please wait, continue. I, was, <laughs> I didn't immediately. That is true. I worked on the corporate side of food and beverage. So I worked for the general manager of the food and beverage um, company. And then he put me in the role of human resources. Oh, that makes sense. Uh, yes, of course, right? Because <laughs> I was totally not qualified to do that. <laughs> but they were a union environment, 800 plus employees, and um, it was a very challenging job. And so during that time, I decided to get a second job uh, in order to just sort of get out of my head on the weekends. And so one of the guys I worked with had a friend who was running uh, sort of uh, the quintessential Chicago tavern. And he said, <laughs> you should go meet with him. I'm sure he'll give you a job. And I did. Uh, and I started working there on the weekends. So I was working seven days a week for, I don't know, probably a year and a half. You shit. cannot go from union HR <laughs> into hospitality. Can't be done. Well... I disagree, sir. <laughs> um, so I worked there on the weekends working in the dining room, actually. This bar, it was a bar in the front and a dining room in the back. It was a family dining room in the back and the most crazy bar in the front. It was known to host uh, lots of sports celebrities, lots of musicians would just drop in and do sets there. It was a crazy Are we not allowed to front. say where it was? I want to know where it was. Yeah, it was called Stanley's Kitchen and Tap. It was in Lincoln Park uh, and it closed not that long ago. But it was open for 25 years, and it was a very well-known... You know why they closed? They hired HR managers <laughs> to work hospital. No, but actually, so with my life, and when, we, when she told me this when we were talking earlier, and she talked about being an account executive in advertising, now again, my background, creative director of advertising, I was like, I don't understand anyone who takes that job. Um, and these were like my... my I always had, you know, always have an account exec. They're, they're the go between you and the client, but they get beaten up by clients and then they come back into the agency and they ask stupid things according to creatives and then we would beat the hell out of them for asking a dumb question. It's not really a dumb question, but that's how creatives would view it. And I never understood anyone who took this job. Like as a creative in advertising, like, oh, it's my passion, it's my love, it's what I wake up to do every day as a creative. As an account exec, I never understood who took that job. <laughs> yeah, it was definitely a rock and a hard place most days. Yeah. And I was like, you know what? I think maybe we'll move on from this. Yeah, but going from working with creatives to taking care of like families in a restaurant, that totally makes sense to me. Right. <laughs> it was, I it can was, see how that could happen. It's a slightly easier transition, I think. Yeah. Maybe so. I'll take that crying child. Yeah, <laughs> rather exactly. Than, rather than that bitching creative. <laughs> Children I have expectations of. Yeah. Adults, not so much anymore. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, so yeah, one night uh, one of the bartenders called out. It was for a uh, after party for a charity event for a celebrity, a sports celebrity, and they were like, "Hey, you've been here a while. I'm sure you can." just get back there and do the best you can. And the second I stepped behind that bar, I was like, this is it. This is home. I don't think I'm going to leave here again. It's <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Yeah, so not long after that, I quit my job at the, uh, at the United Center and started working full-time behind the bar. So wait a minute. You're telling me <laughs> you went to school, mm -hmm. went into advertising, mm -hmm. went into HR, mm -hmm. union specialized, took a part-time job as a server and ended up behind the bar? Yes. It can't be done. <laughs> <laughs> Every once in a while, it happens. That's such bullshit. Cheers to that. You went to school, go work in an office. Oh, it wasn't for me, really. You're supposed to be bartending hospitality for people that can't figure out what they want to do in life, can't figure out what they want to do in life, and they take a job just to feed themselves, and then someone decides they have to stay, and they make some money. You can't go to school, be educated, get a profession, and end up in this hospitality. It can't be done. It's, it's wrong. <laughs> I think it really utilizes all of those skill sets, though. I think, especially my parents, I think a lot of people thought, what are you doing? Are you really just going to be a bartender? Which is one of the phrases that really bothers me the most is when people say, are you just going to be a bartender? And I'm like, I don't know of any other profession where people say, are you, you know, are you just going to be uh, a neuroscientist? Are you <laughs> just going to be an engineer? Like, it's just, it seems like it's just this field in which people feel very comfortable saying that to you. I still remember my wife telling people, oh no, he's the beverage manager. I'm like, what, what are you talking about? I'm the bartender. <laughs> right? We don't it's what I do. To, yeah. We don't need to talk it up and we don't need to hide in the shadows. I feel very comfortable with my chosen profession. And I think when people come to see us work, I think when they finally get in front of you and they sit down and they see what you do, it clicked definitely for my friends and my family. They were like, this makes complete sense that you would do this. It combines everything that you love, your love of history, your love of entertaining people, uh, your love of creating something, you know, in the moment or over the, the long haul, right? Creating a cocktail over time that maybe doesn't work and you just keep at it and at it and at it until you finally get it right. All of those things sort of come together in this one really beautiful space. And I think it made perfect sense to everyone when they saw it. Wow. See? Did somebody script that? That was beautiful. How'd you put that together? <laughs> it's like she believes it. <laughs> Imagine that. <laughs> Truly and deeply. <laughs> Amen. Thank you. I think you should make the girl a drink for that. I, I'm intimidated. I mean, she, she's the uh, GM at the best cocktail bars. AGM. The AGM. AGM. Sorry, Paul. <laughs> I know. <laughs> it's not knock him out just yet. <laughs> Ooh, watch your back, Paul. Sleep with one eye open, brothers. <laughs> what do you give someone that is passionate, clearly out of place, has no business in the hospitality region, and is excelling at it? has worked hard, has worked nine to five, and then five to two, and nine to two when it's necessary. I have no idea how to deal with these kind of people that mm -hmm. excel at what they do. Myself, a long time ago when I used to make <laughs> drinks and be active, 
I also would work these long hours and I preferred a uh, beverage experience that was a little bit lighter in alcohol. We asked Sherry what she likes to drink and she drinks this Sherry nonsense. <laughs> and she enjoys it. <laughs> and she quoted a cocktail called the Adonis. Well, I don't know much about the Adonis. Just that you are one. But a million years ago, I did create a cocktail and referred to it as the Dark Lord. Ooh. And in the Dark Lord, we have uh, Cinzano 1757 Vermouth and the Lustau Don Nuno, Don Nunez Oloroso Sherry. And for me, it's perfect, and I'm not steering you to tell you that you're gonna love this, but <laughs> if you don't enjoy like this, it's uh, your fault, clearly not mine. <laughs> How would I not love something called the Dark Lord? The Dark Lord will be finished with simply a little bit of citrus oils. So we're gonna get some orange on there. Nice. So you're just spritzing that over the top. Yep, just take uh, the peel of an orange, facing the skin side towards the drink, and then squeeze it to express the oh, oils. Oh, I see it. And then for a little bit more aromatic, I also do lemon peel from further away. Oh, inter oh yeah. Well, I gotta get fancy. I gotta get fancy for the fancy folks. <laughs> Good. So I see that you're squeezing it, but then you wiped it down. Uh, along the stem of the glass. Well, that's a little trick we used to do because you taste with much more than just your your taste buds. You know, it's all about nasal and how you feel while you're drinking it. And lemon is so bright and refreshing that when you pick up your glass, this lemon's gonna be left with you. It's gonna be on your hands. It's gonna be in the air about the drink. Ah, thank you. So it's all about the nose. Think. It's all about the glass. What's in the glass and what's perceived in the glass? So is it in the nose? Is it on your hand? Remember, the experience. Yeah. What do you leave with? And that's what I want you to be left with, the Adonis. Okay. Cheers. Cheers. The Black Lord. Dark Lord? Dark Lord. Mm. The Black Lord? The oh. Dark Lord. That's so good. That is amazing. Oloroso Sherry. That's all day. All the time. That allows me to keep working, drinking, working. I mean, the structure of the vermouth, the, the balance of the sherry, you might think it's gonna be sweeter. You hear Oloroso, even I say dry, I tell you sweet vermouth. The citrus brings everything together. I, for me, Sherry, how do you like perfection. Skirts. It's perfection. Skirts. You know, I think rosé gets all the glory, right? Rosé all day, but mm -hmm. I think it should be sherry all day. I'm in the vermouth crew. <laughs> you know, I just. So good. And I can have a third and a fourth. Oh wait, did I skip second? Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> it's perfect. Thank so you. what you're saying is this is actually lower alcohol? Lower alcohol. Even in, though, even though there's complexity. Mm -hmm. Interesting, because there's, I mean, it's only two spirits, right, in the glass. Some people would even so go so far as to say two aromatized wines. Oh, 
So tell me, what, 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 please educate me. What does that mean? I don't know. What, what is sherry anyway? Aromatized. <laughs> <laughs> so what does that mean, though? Uh, always aromatized, sometimes fortified. So there might be some booze. Yeah. In, yeah you know. Um, so it has to do with the process, right? So they they put the wine in the barrel and they'll mark it right away whether or not it's going to be a fino or something different. Uh, if the floor is kept intact the entire time, which is the bacteria that sits on top. The floor? Oh. The ground? Floor. <laughs> F-L-O-R. Oh, interesting. Is kept intact the entire time, then that is going to be a fino sherry. Uh, when they start removing that floor and it begins to oxidize, uh, then you get your... Here comes um, heaven. Yes. Then you get your amontillados. Uh, your Olorosos. If you are going to dry those grapes out first and then create the wine, you have your PX sherries. Oh, interesting. Super huh. sweet. I, it's funny because in, in the Caribbean, in Trinidad specifically, there's a lot of homemade wines. And the homemade wines are literally taking, taking fruits and allowing them to ferment with sugar and water. And they go through the fermentation, but it's normally some sort of open vet fermentation. If anyone's made wine at home without the controls and the airlocks, your wine is going to oxidize. Yes. Right? So I can, it can be guava wine, magna wine, plum wine, doesn't matter what kind of wine in, in Trinidad, guava wine is one of my favorites, is that they all have a consistent flavor and it's oxidation and no one recognizes it or no one identified it to me growing up. It's like, oh, that's just how homemade wine tastes. And then they sweeten it on top of this. They'll come back in the finished wine, sweeten it back in. So it's really of dessert wine character characteristic, but it has that oxidized nutty characteristic that's so amazing. So when I began drinking, I was familiar with this flavor and I had never encountered it and I always identified that as homemade wine. So if I tasted that, that's homemade wine in the Trinidad, right? Homemade wine, Christmas time, homemade <laughs> wine. And then I tasted Oloroso Sherry the first time and it was dry but still had that, that signature flavor and that's what got me into wanting to learn about wine and what made this characteristic oh, interesting. and this kind of stuff. So I, I, Sherry, Oloroso Sherry specifically, and I drink it all. I mean, I love Harvey's Bristol Cream. I don't, I'm all over the place when yeah. it comes to these wines, but this is home for me. Home Oloroso. in a glass? Home. Oloroso home. Oloroso's home for me. Just like all that noise in the background brings me home here at uh, Last, Last Call. Call. <laughs> Gina's home bar, yes, I yes. I'm reminded that we're here in Union Market and they're making it so much more perfect for our city with the ongoing construction and noise in the background. You know, Janice loves it. For all of you listeners, just so you know, Janice, Who's Janice is the one who makes us sound good. She keeps us on time, keeps us going. She throws things at me when I step out of line. Thanks, <laughs> I feel Janice. darts in the back of my head through her eyeballs. <laughs> this is a great bar, though. She's built a phenomenal bar. Do you I know wish. this was voted like one of the best, speaking one of the best, one of the best dive bars, new dive bars in DC? In the world. In yeah. the world. Yes. Craig. <laughs> The first time I walked in here, I felt home. I was like, this, I feel like I went back to Chicago. And I when you like walked I'm in today and you my... saw me, how did you feel? I was like, this is home plus. <laughs> home plus? <laughs> I'll take it. Well, I don't know. <laughs> You're like, I, don't know. <laughs> I don't get a lot of sleep. <laughs> I just always say, I drink for a living right. now. <laughs> I'm not asleep. Either. So I'm going to do a little home. Uh, what did Beyonce say? I don't know. What did she say? I've been drinking. I've been drinking. And he's a singer, too. All the talent. Well, at least one of us is. So I'm going to do my housekeeping. We're going to go to designateddrinker.show for the tips. Stop sending people 
to designateddrinker.show. Where do you want them to go? They need to go to designateddrinker.show. Got gotcha. Show. Show. Got it. Show for show? Dot show. Dot show. Okay. Let me try that again. So we're going to send it to designated drinker dot show. Got it. There we go. It's only been. I don't know. Three years in the make. Some of us are slow learners. And you're going to get all the tips and how-tos, recipes uh, for this cocktail, as, uh, as well as all the other cocktails from all over the website. Well, I can share his phone number, the well, bar address. I just. I want to know where to find her. Well, we'll actually have a link on where you can find you because you bartend still on the weekends, right? I do. Yeah, I'm they still can. on bar behind. But she could sling you a cocktail. Can't give it up. It's like a drug. It is. It's really. It's controlled substance. Please. <laughs> it's the most <laughs> wonderful place to be back there. Yeah. I think a lot of bartenders feel that way. I think it's hard to get out from back there. I don't know. You can tell me. I, I, I miss this. I miss the interaction. I miss the entertaining factor. There's tons of it that I don't miss. Yeah. Um, and I applaud the people that can still go in and stand every night, um, long hours. We don't know how busy it's going to be. It's 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 a it's a gamble. We yeah. don't know. We don't know how we're gonna. How much we're gonna make this week or not make this week. Yep. But we come in and I, I tell people it has to be passion driven. So you have to find something that that you love about it. And it's easy for me. It was the. <clears throat> entertainment and education factor, creating that guest experience, that, that feeling. I mean, I think that anyone can make a drink. I believe I can train anyone to make a drink. But when you leave, I don't want you to remember how the drink tastes or what the drink name was. I want you to remember how you felt and how many people you're going to bring back when you come back next time so yep. they can feel good, too. Absolutely. Well said, sir. So how do you see the industry changing? I mean, you've been in it for a while now. I mean, and I, I mean, always, you know, obviously on this show especially, um, really applaud um, diversity, positive change. I mean, part of the industry um, changing the, the color of skin you see, women playing different roles, leadership, all of those, all of uh, progression, basically. Yeah. How have you seen the industry change in the time that you've been at it? Yeah, I actually think that being in this industry, they're probably a leader in being in on the forefront of trying to be as in, more inclusive. I think that they really talk about it more than uh, probably you know corporate culture does. I think it's very much on the minds of people in this industry. Uh, and when it comes to uh, women on the bar, I think that you see more women now than you probably ever have before. And I really think that that has a lot to do with the women who have come before, the Audrey Saunders, the uh, Julie Reiners, the Susan Federoffs, the Ivy Mix, the Lynette Moreros. The Gina Sirsabanis. Yeah, the Ginas of the world. It's, yep. I um, am Gina, and I've done my <laughs> yeah, part. Yeah, he's Gina today. Um, I think that a lot of the gender gap comes from stereotypes that are put on you as a child. And I think to close those gender gaps, you have to, the people who are in this business now, or have come before us, really had to be responsible, really had to take on uh, the responsibility of teaching the next people and taking them under their wing and giving them the information and really helping them to be included in this industry. And I think it's changing every day, and I think the more people, the more women uh, that get involved and that also take on that attitude, that mindset, that responsibility, uh, will only translate to further 
Absolutely, absolutely. We had Lynette on the show. Um, you brought her up um, last year before Speed Rack, which yes. is a really great um, event. If you have are fortunate enough to live in a city where Speed Rack is happening, you should go check it out. It's amazing. Female bartenders making it's it's so nerve wracking. I when I was I don't there, know why we say female bartenders because. There's some badass bartenders that yes. come through that no one else. But, but Lynette, what Lynette point, but the point was, is that when she started that, that there were no female bartenders participating in the competitions. Mm -hmm. That it wasn't even open to them at one point in time. Like Gina and Lynette were talking about when they started bartending, the only job they could get is service bartenders. They couldn't even be the. And it's crazy to think Bar that these. Made. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it's crazy to think that these these women are like changing cocktails what like i mean say? they're on the forefront of it but they when they started these bitches yeah, exactly. <laughs> right they would but they but in the beginning they they, they had like you said they're barmaids or work the service in this service bar only they weren't even allowed to be the lead bartender it's, which is crazy to say that that's what it was in our lifetime like that's why i'm always interested to see how do you because you've been here for a minute we're not, none of us are millennials. Right. Um, so how, ha it's just interesting to think that these things are changing within our time frame. It really hasn't been that long that it's been allowed. I mean, when you look, historically speaking, two landmark cases occur in both Michigan and Chicago, and one is in the 40s and one is in uh, the 70s. In Chicago, it was the 70s. Yeah. Uh, and just asking, I, I want to be able to work in a bar and not be related to the person who owns the bar, to the man who owns the bar. Yeah. I want to own my own bar, and I want to employ the people that I want to employ behind it. And 1970 is not that long ago. No, I was born then. <laughs> I'm, I was born then. So it's sort of incredible that these strides have I happened. <laughs> uh-huh. All right, Gina. <laughs> uh, so it's, it's really incredible that these strides, that so much has happened between then and now. Uh, and I think it really has a lot to do with those women that we've discussed. But Absolutely. There's, there's so much said, too, about the industry and how it's changed um, and the empowerment and the, the comfort level of being behind the bar. Growing up, myself, yourself, no one grew up saying, I'm going to be a hospitality profession professional. The closest you might dare say you want to do is, I want to be a chef. A chef, right. yeah. But no one wants to be, no one wants to be a server slash maitre d. Right. Or a bartender, never. You're not going to go to, you didn't go to school to become a bartender. You go to school to get a profession. And um, I think the respect that the confidence is, people that are brave enough to be HR union managers and step away and say, no, this is my chosen profession, empowers people, women, minorities, everyone, that are steered in a different direction that say, you want to make something in your life, you got to be a this or you right. got to be a that. No, your courage to step away from that because you achieved everything that you were supposed to and then you chose hospitality as a profession and that courage empowers anyone that might have the interest to step out and say, I can and I will do that and not say, listen to people that say you can't or you shouldn't. Yeah. I have two nieces that are in high school and they came to work with me. It was, you know, take your daughter to work day. Yeah. And instead of going with my sister, who's an event planner, who's amazing and incredible what she does, but they've been to work with her a lot and they asked if they could come with me and they had to get special permission from the school because I work in a bar. Mm -hmm. And so my niece 
did all of her homework, went in and was like, listen, they do an entire non-alcoholic menu. It's about creating some syrups and going into the kitchen and doing this whole like hospitality, floor service, back of house, front of house, and how that all works. And they allowed them to come and they had the best time, and they went back. Do we back. have an applause reel? That needs to be right <laughs> <laughs> Janice, can you make that happen? <laughs> <laughs> and all of their friends were like, that was the coolest day that you went <laughs> And then, similarly, I have kids, and my wife is in the professional realm, and so. She's a day walker, right? Yeah. I have a, a nephew that they, my cousin says, it's my cousin's son, everyone's a nephew or a niece in West Indies. Yep says that, yeah, you know your, your nephew idolizes you, and my, it grates my wife because Uncle Dwayne goes to work and makes drinks and makes people happy. He, you know, and they want him to go to school and become a doctor. I mean, he's a savant, brilliant. Uh, but he Wait, enjoys cooking and he likes making people happy. But so he can, do, he can do all of it. There's yes, no limitation. I was gonna say, there's, education is, is not, tied to a job. I mean, education is a somewhat of a selfish thing that we can do for ourselves to make ourselves feel better about who we are. You broaden your mind, you broaden your world. It has nothing to do with what jo whatever title you put on. It's, it's, I know many people, and on the flip side, that I know many people have gone to school for, uh, have degrees Ever? that I don't, I couldn't even dream of and have not a lick of common sense. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it barely hold it together. So um, I think it's very much also tied to what we do as well. Like, I don't think, I think that the people that I know who are in this industry spend a lot of their time, if, even if they're not behind the bar, if they're on their own free time, you know, reading hundreds of books and, you know, educating themselves on uh, chemistry and uh, history and all of these different distillation, yeah. fermentation, all of these things, which a lot of people, I think, are like, oh, you just go to work, you make drinks, and you go home. That is not the case whatsoever for the people who I know who are doing this. But I think that's the difference is where it's just a profession. You're at a super high level, but there are people that have found happiness going to work, making drinks, and making people happy, yes. and going home. And I'm like, I mean, that's that's rewarding. That's. So I, when I was still at the agency, before I quit, um, there was a woman who worked, her name was Gloria. She still works there. She's the lady who works at the front, at the, at the front of the building. And she just, she's the person you, first person you see when you walk in the building. Receptionist. She's not the receptionist, because she just, it's, it's not, she's not a part of any of the business within the, you know, it's the building is filled with different businesses. And so Gloria sits there and, and I guess it before was kind of like more security, like, you, you know, whatever. But I mean, she's an older woman. And at, when the building was sold, um, Gloria's job went away because it really wasn't a purpose. They kept her because she was awesome. But all the leases fought to have her come back and they would they had threatened to not sign their leases in the building if they didn't bring Gloria back. And that woman never has a sad moment she's always happy she always is willing to give you a hello she knows almost everybody's name when I went for my interview I didn't know where I was going so I went to her and I said I'm going up to such and such agency and she's like oh and she's like and she's and she looked at me and was like it's my interview it's my first interview so I don't know where, where they are in the building it's a rather large building and she's like oh come here honey gave me a big hug she's like you go get him like she and I can still go back to that I go back to that building just to say hello to this yeah. woman and really her whole purpose is to say hello to you 
and she no. spreads happiness. Her purpose. Now you're taking. No, but I mean, her, her purpose. purpose in the in the building is just to say hello to you. But her reason is real for life is really to share happiness. She just it, it, it she's. We should have more Gloria's in the what world. What she yeah. created for you is invaluable, and that's Absolutely. why they can't hire. You can't interview somebody for that, and that's why all the lessees fight for her. Yeah. Because she brings something to them that they don't even know how to pay for. No. And it's a gift. I mean, some oh, people have a it's gift. A gift. It's absolutely a gift. The gift of the bartender who just gives all of themselves to entertain the people at their bar. Oh, it's a hospitality bar. Yeah, that is a gift. It is a Loves gift. all of you. <laughs> a little John Legend. All right. On that note, let's have another cocktail and wrap this shit up. Cheers. Cheers. Thanks again. Thanks for everything that you do. Thank you and for having me. It's been a practice. pleasure. Thank you. It's sure Making drinks for you. Anytime I get to spend with y'all. Anytime. <laughs> the Designated Drinker Show is produced by Missing Link, a podcast media company dedicated to connecting people to intelligent, engaging, and informative content. Missing Link is a proud partner of Hearing Charities of America, a nonprofit organization that supports those who are deaf or hard of hearing. To learn more about HCOA or to find out about Missing Link's other podcasts, head over to missinglink.company. That's missinglink.company.